Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. Baggage. Well, we all have it, whether we like to admit it or not, obvious or subtle, we kind of hide it. I want to welcome you to Liquid. I'm Pastor Tim, whether you're with us for the first time or maybe you're listening for the first time on our internet campus, we're thrilled that you're with us. We're actually starting today a new series entitled Brand New You. It's appropriate for 2008, we begin a brand new year, brand new you, and really it's a series about what God wants to do inside each and every one of us this year, which is change us from the inside out. And that's a fairly comprehensive project according to Jesus, actually. He summed up the entire Bible in one command. He said it's really about learning to love the Lord your God with all of your, you guys remember this, heart, all of your soul, strength, and mind, and uh, with your whole person. And over the next four weeks, what we're going to do is look at each of those aspects in some detail. But today, we start with where God begins that list, actually, with a look at the heart. And my question for you is, hey, how's your heart doing? You know, it's, it's a new year. How are you doing? I saw some of you come in. Some of you came in, you're all like excited about the new year. You're full of optimism and joy, or maybe just caffeine, I don't know. But you're like jazzed up. Others of you, I saw you come in and you, uh, you look like, well, you look like you're coming in kind of with a heavy heart. And that's because there's a reason for it. Because you're carrying around some baggage. Over the holidays, I ran into a, a friend who, uh, she had a pretty big smash up, kind of a messy breakup over the holidays. And she was just like, I'm just so glad the holidays are over. She said, I, I cried for an hour the other day. A song came on the car, reminded me of him. She goes, and I actually, I was on the way where I had to pull over into the shoulder and I put my flashers on and I cried for 20 minutes, cars swerving around her. That's because, well, she's got some uh, little, bit of, little bit of baggage here, actually, a little bit of rejection. Another friend of mine actually said holiday was, was horrible for me because I went home and none of my family actually um, are people who might share my faith. And every time I try to talk about it, man, they, bam, they slam into me, just kind of hit me with this anger and hostility. I was at Christmas dinner and I was literally like, you know, hey, maybe we could like, you know, pray and thank God. Said, oh, here we go, Mr. Church guy, right? Why don't you and your Christian friends do it? Don't bring that in here, okay? And they kind of just lit into me all the reasons I'm stupid for believing what I believe. And then he said, honestly, he said, I walk out the door and I thought a pretty unchristian thing because I was just literally thinking to hell with them. Family baggage. <laughs> We've all got it. Most of us have it. Some of us picked it up um, as a child. Some of us maybe a more recent hurt or breakup or loss of some sort, maybe because of pain this past year. Some of us walking around with unforgiveness in our hearts. Maybe you're carrying a grudge, something someone did to you that you know you should be over it, but just can't quite let it go and you're bringing it along. I saw you walking in here with your baggage. It's different for each of us. You guys know this. Some of you keep it hidden. Some of it's obvious. But we all got it in all shapes and sizes. In fact, some of you walked in actually with more like a, a tourister, actually, you walked in with. Some of you maybe maybe a little bit more of a carry-on. But, but baggage are really the, the hurts and the wounds, actually, that have injured our hearts, which we still carry around. And, and that's, you know what? That is a heavy way to live, isn't it? I mean, what would 2008, what would it look like in 2008, this new year, to actually do something and finally let it go. Check your baggage for good. 
That's what I want to talk about tonight, and I'd actually like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Psalms. The Psalms are a prayer book in the middle of the Old Testament. Psalm 109.22, this is our anchor verse for today, and it was, it was actually written by a guy who knew a thing or two about baggage. His name was King David. And much of his life, he suffered betrayal by close friends, and um, he uh, was, was a subject of unjust accusation. In fact, he wrote this psalm when he was being lied about and slandered. And he was very honest with God when he wrote this. God, I am poor and needy, and my heart is, what's the word? Wounded within me. This is one of the shocking things if you are spending any time in the Psalms of the Bible, the book of prayers, you'll discover that God actually does indeed care about our feelings and desires, which is to say he cares about our heart. As David notes, whenever our heart is wounded, whenever we, we suffer the hurt or the effects of living in a broken world, we accumulate baggage. Now, as you can see, there are all different types of baggage, aren't there, right? In a crowd this size, I'd imagine people are carrying around all sorts of, you know, types of tags. Like I said, rejection, the sting of rejection, you know, and the message that comes with it. You know, no one loves me. Uh, I'm all alone. I've always been alone. I will always be alone. Maybe it's the baggage of, uh, of shame. You know, I, I see you guys when you come in here, some of you every week, I shake your hand. We've been doing this for a year and you still haven't looked me in the eyes. Because you kind of walk through life just blanketed by shame and it just, or maybe it's, maybe it's failure. You know, you, 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 you blew your, you know, you lost your job or it was a business that blew or you lost a relationship. Or maybe it was, it was, um, maybe it was divorce. You know, um, the deepest hurt from the person who promised they were going to love you forever and you're still carrying that around. Or maybe it's addiction. You actually, this has been a tough year for you because it's been recovery and then relapse and then recovery and relapse and recovery and relapse and you're like, you know what? I am hopeless. My life is a mess. You guys don't even know it, but man, if you knew, you, you'd run for the hills. Or, or maybe it's hypocrisy. Maybe... You've looked up to somebody and they've really blown it this year. Fallen from the pedestal. Maybe it's been a church leader. And you got some baggage with that. Or it's loss. Maybe this was a year of loss. You lost somebody, a loved one this year. And you've been carrying that around. Or maybe you lost your job or your health or something like that. Maybe there's some bitterness or resentment that, that someone, someone did something to you but you just can't let it go. You know you should. Or maybe you've just been carrying around this for a long time like anger. You grew up kind of in an explosive home and it's kind of been subterranean, but now maybe you have your own kids or something that's starting to come out. Or it's decisions you've made in the past. Maybe, maybe, you, had, maybe you had an abortion and some time ago, maybe you've been plagued and carrying around the guilt and the regret or, or whatever it is, that incident that happened a long time ago that you just, you just wish you could just magically erase. Or maybe you're like David. Maybe it's betrayal by a friend. And, and, and you've made that vow. You know what comes with that. I will never trust anyone again. We all have baggage. In fact, I'd be curious right now if you could give a name to yours. On the way in, you received a luggage tag. You got that with you, a little orange luggage tag there? If you had to write one word on that tag to identify the baggage that you're carrying around today, and Glenn is passing out more if you don't have one, what would that word be? Some of you will know instantly. You'll be like, that's my divorce. It happened five years ago, but the hurt of that is still as fresh as yesterday. 
a song plays or I see it in my kid, you know, I'm taken back to that blow up and, and, and you've got relational baggage, you know, maybe you want to write relational baggage on here. Someone you trusted betrayed you. It could be a family member, could be a friend and, and you've put your walls up, you steeled your heart and it's, and it's, I'm never going to become vulnerable again. So you're rarely intimate with others. So you've got lots of acquaintances, but very few friends because no one gets in here. Or maybe it's spiritual baggage. Maybe you actually, maybe this is your first time back in church after some time because you went to a church where they tried to define for you in the narrowest of ways what it means to be a godly person. And you could never measure up because you were always supposed to do this and they made sure you do that. And man, if you did that, we're going to drop some shame on you and everything. And it got just so heavy walking through life for you. And you're like, I guess, I guess that's what God's like. I guess that's what it's about. You got some spiritual baggage. I knew a girl who uh, grew up in a, the church, Christian church from kindergarten, got married to a Christian guy there at the Christian church, had Christian kids with Christian guy, but then Christian guy took up with another gal and left her. And when she got divorced, the church turned its back and shunned her at that moment. Baggage. Or you're predisposed against, you know, church. And all Christians are hypocrites. See, and you know that's a lie, but it feels true. Or maybe your baggage is lost. How many of you have been to Newark Airport? <laughs> maybe you endured a loss this past year. You're actually glad 2007 is over because it, it was a tough year for you. Maybe you lost a loved one, a relationship, a job, and you're hoping that 2008 is going to get better, you know, but you know in your heart that maybe you haven't grieved that loss properly or fully, and it probably isn't just going to magically go away with the flip of the calendar page as much as you would like it to. What would you write right now? We've given you a pen as well. Click that pen. What would you write or label your baggage if you had to write it on this label? I want you to think about that as we talk today, and just go ahead and write on your label what you would call it. For some of us, it'll be sexual baggage. I received an email actually from one of our online listeners who, who listened to a relationship series we did, and she told me that in college she got drunk, and against her will... She actually ended up hooking up with these two guys who she had never met before, didn't know. She actually doesn't remember much of it, which is to say she was date raped. And that's a wound that she carries with her to this day. This is crazy now, but the statistics are that one out of every four girls will experience some form of sexual abuse in their lifetime from mild to horrific often at the hands of an authority figure, which is what makes it so devastating, a family member, a teacher, a coach, a sibling, a relative, even maybe a church leader. And at that age, that, that kind of wound brings in this confusion and this thinking, this sort of thing, well, maybe it was my fault, maybe, maybe that's who I am. And it, and it comes to define us because although we grow older, we still carry around that baggage and never dealt with that wound. What would you label yours? What would you write on your tag right now? And some of you are like, well, I don't even need a pen, dude, because I actually, baggage free. I got nothing here, right? Some of us, well, that's natural. Some of us will resist admitting we have baggage um, or, or kind of minimize it or play it down. Um, I saw this actually a great example. This Colleen and I were on our way down to Florida. We didn't have the kids, so we were flying Continental, go down to Newark, get on the plane, board early. We're row 17, so they let us like on because we go back to the plane. I got my earphones on, I'm like halfway through a second bag of peanuts, and uh, you know, because there's three of them in there, and, uh, and Colleen's reading People Magazine, and when we see it, we see this big guy, he must have played football or something, but he had an equally big carry-on bag, it literally was like this, I have no idea how he got past security, 
But he's coming down the aisle like this. And of course, he's got his ticket and he's like, oh, you know, you know, looking and banging into people. And they're like spilling their Diet Coke and their nine ice cubes are going everywhere. And he's coming down and we're like, oh, no, 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 no. And he stops short at row 15. And he's like, oh, okay. I, yeah, this is. So he stops and I nudge kind of like, watch this. I want to see what he's going to do with this thing. So he looks at it and there's this little lady sitting in there. She's like looking at him. And he's like, just a minute. He takes off his coat, puts it down. Slips his thing in there like that and goes, and up goes the, the overhead luggage compartment. And it has in it a blanket that's this thick and a pillow that's this thick, right? You've seen those things. And he's like, all right. Yeah, and he goes and gets this thing and he just starts shoving it and he just kind of just ramming it with the shoulder there, trying to just kind of get that in there. And he can't quite do it and he like looks at me and I'm like, just look down, you know, don't look, don't, don't look. And, and, and it's great because the stewardess comes running up. She's like, wow, almost, almost. You think it's going to work out? You know, I don't think so. And she goes, can I check it for you? He goes, no, I don't know. I can get it in there. And he takes out the blanket. There we go. Help me out here. And he tries to shove this thing in there and trying to jam that thing. That's what you would call underestimating your baggage. Pretending that it's actually much smaller than it is. The Bible actually talks about this. Prophet Jeremiah describes a moment when the spiritual leaders of Israel were taken to task by God for minimizing the wounds that his people were carrying around. Jeremiah 6.14 says this, They dressed the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say. Everything's fine. No, I'm good. That's it. When there is no peace. Acting as if everything is fine when it's not. Now, you guys know, particularly men, you guys know this. This is how we're taught, right? I mean, it's nothing. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. It's fine. No big deal. Just a scratch there, you know, whatever. When really, it's an arrow to your heart, as David says. And our world encourages us to kind of walk straight, you know, shake it off, walk around as if everything's fine when really we're just kind of struggling under the weight of this tremendous baggage, a heart that actually is poor and needy and wounded, as David describes. And folks, that is no way to live. It's not. The good news today is that you're being given an invitation by God for the new year to check your baggage for good, to begin the process of unloading all those things down and living a life and experiencing one that is freer and lighter. I mean, what would that be like? What would it take to check your baggage in 2008? See, here's the deal. God is ready and willing, actually, to claim it, but you have to be willing to let it go. And not on a round-trip flight, but on a one-way ticket. And if you're serious about checking your baggage for good, you have to take his instruction. In the Old Testament, there was a guy by the name of Job. You may have heard of him. Job had what you might call a bad year. Um, Job suffered tremendous loss. Not a good year for Job. His home was destroyed. House collapsed. All of his children died. His crops were wiped out, which is to say his business failed. His wife was a nag. <laughs> and so he called up his religious friends when he was hurting pretty bad and like, hey, I'm, I'm pretty taken on the chin here. I, I, I'm, I'm really hurting you have any God advice for me? And his friend said, yeah, what'd you do to deserve this? Whew. Poor and needy was an understatement. Jo- Job's heart was throbbing on all fronts. And yet in chapter 7 of Job, he said, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in the anguish of my 
spirit, which is to say, I am willing to talk about it. I will acknowledge it. I will, I will give my luggage ticket a name. And folks, this is the first step towards healing, to checking your baggage for good in the new year. And this is scary. I know this. But it is essential if you're going to send on a one-way destination. The question is, who do you bring it to? Because if you write it on there, maybe you want to kind of fold it over. You don't want anyone to see, and that's totally okay. But if you're bringing baggage into the new year, you identify with David. Maybe your heart is wounded. If you really want to check that for good, there are really three people that you need to bring it to, to break your sons and speak out about it first. And really the first is to Christ. Because Jesus is the only one who can heal you for good. Take what has been meant for evil and return it for good. This is the truest statement I can tell you today. I don't know where you're at, but when you came in here, if though your life may feel heavy, though your heart may be wounded within you, though you may have suffered an injustice and just wondered, does anybody see? Does anybody care? I can tell you with certainty, God does. Scripture actually, it's amazing. Scripture tells us that the eyes of God roam across the nations, looking and watching at the evil men do. Whatever happened to you, God has seen Whatever losses you have suffered, God knows that hurt. And more than that, Christ wants to restore you. The Bible gives Jesus the title, the great physician. And he said, I came for the sick, not the well, in order to heal them. Put your finger in the Bible, flick back to Psalm 71. Some of you will relate to the first part of this verse. This is David actually at the end of his life. He's looking back at his life. And he says, though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, and some of you identify with that. You're like, you know, I have seen more garbage than anyone can imagine. (laughs) And I wouldn't wish what's happened to me on my worst enemy. Life has not been roses, it's been bitter. And though I've seen many troubles, God, yet, read it together, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. There, there are some of you who are so discouraged at this moment, maybe you're masking it well. You feel no hope at all. God specializes in restoring what's been lost and repairing what's been broken. Jesus Christ is a God of restoration. We know that because the central truth of Christianity is at the cross of Jesus Christ. And the cross, really, the cross represents two things. The first thing it tells us is that your past doesn't have to define you. In sending Jesus, God has made a way for each person to be completely forgiven of every mistake, every sin, every flaw, every failing, every bad choice. And when you put your trust in Jesus, it's like you get a spiritual do-over, okay? (laughs) The idea being, Christ took on our sin, and when you believe in that sacrifice, the Bible says we are, the the words it uses, born again. You are given a do-over, new life. All your sins, those you've committed against you and those you've committed against others, no longer define you. And so through simple trust, God promises to restore our heart and actually begin this healing process. And through his death, we're given new life because his spirit is put inside this broken heart to mend it. And that's the promise that Jesus' resurrection makes. See, that a new future is possible. On that day when Jesus was crucified, now we go back 2,000 years here, the day we crucified God. This would seem like the darkest of moments in human history, yes? 
And yet behind the scenes, unbeknownst to even Jesus' closest disciples, God was orchestrating the biggest reversal of fortunes in human history. Because when Jesus died, he took down sin and death and destruction with him. And when he rose from the grave three days later, he ushered in hope, new life, eternal life for anyone who wants it. And that's not just some pie-in-the-sky religious promise. It is one Jesus is personally acquainted with. If you came today and this is your only time in church and you're like, what's the difference between Christianity and every other world religion? Hear this. Only the Christian God among all world religion knows what it was like to be personally betrayed by a friend. To suffer the loss of a loved one, a son, an only son. To be physically abused taunted, mocked, and rejected. And on that day of destruction, when all seemed lost, no hope, he was planting the seeds of restoration. Because little did Satan know that by his wounds, we are, what's the word? Healed. If your heart is wounded within you, whether it's self-inflicted or the hands of others, Jesus has come to heal you. He has borne the cost of human sin and misery and now a new kind of life, eternal life, is available. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. Jesus Christ offers a second life. Because he is the author of life, he has the power to restore your life. Though you've made me see troubles, many and bitter, you almost see David reflecting back here and he claims this is a promise. I don't necessarily see it or believe it, but I believe you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, like you rose up, Jesus, you will again bring me up. That is a promise. And that is the first step if you want to check your baggage for good. You have to lay it down at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. What does your tag say? Have you done that with with this? Have you asked God for that new life? Told him actually of your hurt, of your pain, your own failure, and invited him into that wounded part of your heart to make it new. That's a step of faith, folks. It requires belief in something that you don't even see or maybe perhaps even feel that God cares, that he forgives, that he restores. No, not me. Yes, you, even you. But you have to invite him in and be honest about what you're carrying, where you've fallen short and where you need his healing. And that requires humility. It requires faith. Because when you do that, sometimes restoration comes quickly and sometimes it's a process that takes a lifetime. I'll give you a personal example. Some of you know my wife, Colleen, and a few details, a little bit about her story. Um, her mom had her at 19 years old. She was divorced by 20. And I was like a kid raising a kid. And uh, Colleen's mom, you know, young mom, caught up in the 60s living. And Colleen, at a very young age, from about the ages of four to about seven, had a premature exposure to all sorts of adult things, things no child should ever see or be exposed to early on. I won't go into detail, but if you heard her tell the story, you wouldn't believe it. You would literally look at my beautiful, tender-hearted, sane wife and be like, you should be screwed up. You should be a basket case. You should be crazy. You should not be normal based on what's happened to you. I often say that to her, and then, of course, if we get in a fight, I'm like, well, see, it's coming out now. And... uh <laughs> And it's like, well, what happened to her? What happened to my wife? And some people be like, well, I guess, you know, time heals all wounds. Yeah, not exactly. See, at the age of 12, Colleen's mom was actually in a band, and she was hired to sing at a, a wedding. 
And she went to this church to sing Ave Maria. And in the message, the minister of the wedding presented the gospel. This, that she'd never heard this good news that in Jesus Christ, God has given us a chance for a do-over. Complete amnesty. Forgiveness for every sin. For anyone who simply asks. And more than that, a new life is, is possible. And Colleen's mom, she actually took that to heart. Listening. I mean, how did she hear that? The lifestyle, all the drugs, the men, all of that. And in the middle of that wedding ceremony, she prayed, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart because I have made a wreck of my life. And I am sorry. And I, if you're there, I put your tr- my trust in you to restore me, to change me, and to heal me. And you know what happened? God answered her prayer. If you hear Colleen tell it, her mom was changed. She describes it as a miracle in about seven days. The drugs, the men, the partying, everything stopped. Colleen's mom actually quit her band and joined the church choir. And Colleen, who at this point was at age 12, which you guys know is this like hinge age, you know, was like, who took my mom? And as you can imagine, she's a bit cynical. She's kind of like a streetwise kid. And she was like, was this just a phase? Or is this like something really going on here? But because of her mom's dramatic restoration, Colleen was like, I don't know if this is real, but this is a miracle. <laughs> and so Colleen went with her mom to church. And, and you know, at 12 years old, you know, she, ro- she goes, I rolled my eyes at all those people with their raised hands and the hallelujah business. And she was like, whatever. But slowly, week by week, God came for her heart too. And at age 12, she gave her life to Christ. And this is, this is where, you know, this is where it chokes me up. Because one day, a 12-year-old girl who'd seen so much, God came to restore. Colleen, I'll tell you, one day she was sitting there in church in the pew, and I think the preacher, she tells me, was talking about how this passage in scripture where it says the sins of the father being passed on from generation to generation and she felt flooded with God's love and him telling her you are the generation where this ends no more sin no more destruction I am your father now to a little girl without a father those are powerful words she calls that the day of her restoration. I, I can't do this justice, but this it was like God's spirit flooded her in a new way, entered her heart and broke the cycle of sin and destruction that her parents began and gave her a fresh start. And she was like, I actually started laughing out loud. <laughs> laughing actually in the pews. She's like, I couldn't like contain it. And, and she, people start shooting me like looks and everything. She was, I was flooded with this sense of the love and healing of Jesus Christ. And she was changed. Her baggage was checked. The loss of innocence of a little girl. She had every reason to bring it to adulthood and screw up royally because Jesus entered her heart and checked her baggage. And I thank God for that. As her husband, I thank God for that. I know it doesn't happen like that for everyone. That's why they call it a miracle. I know many of you wish it could. But the promise remains. Though you may have seen many troubles, many and bitter, 
you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. Jesus Christ is a God who specializes in restoration, restoring what's been lost, repairing what's been broken. That's why we call Jesus Redeemer. You ever hear that churchy word, he's our Redeemer? What a Redeemer does is he takes what's broken and mends it and actually makes it whole. I wonder this year what God might want to restore in you. Hope? Trust in other people? Faith in him? Sexual purity? Maybe you're on the other side of the hurt. You're the one who's inflicted it. You were the guy in college who took advantage of others and you have sexual baggage. Or, or your, your addiction to porn has devastated your conscience and it's like, a, like this cancer in your soul and you can't... There is more for you than that. There's forgiveness, a clean slate, and there is healing, a fresh start. But it begins in one place, at the cross of Jesus Christ. And it is where you must bring your baggage and lay it down if you want God to check it for good. If that is you, this may be a moment for you this year. This may be a moment. If you have never invited Jesus into that heart to do that, you could simply write it on your luggage tag, Jesus, come into my heart. You can write it there. God hears your prayer and he wants to come for you. Perhaps you've already done that. Maybe you've previously invited Jesus into your heart. Many of you have. You're following him, but you're still carrying around stuff. And you know what? That's not only entirely um, possible, it's actually probable. Because the Christian life is not some magic pill or immunization against hurt and loss. And if you've taken that first step of bringing it to Christ, you may need to take the next step of bringing it to a counselor. Interesting detail in First Chronicles, we learn about David's uncle, a man named Jonathan. And 1 Chronicles 27 says, Jonathan, David's uncle, was a counselor, a man of insight. That's literally how the Bible defines a counselor. A man or a woman of insight. That is, they have the ability to see into a matter. They, they can see inside what's happening underneath in a situation. And one of the ways that God has designed the restoration process is by gifting his church with counselors. Jesus had a lot to say about counseling. He called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the ultimate counselor. In John 14, 26, Jesus said this, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So get that, the Holy Spirit, two things, teaching and reminding you of God's truth. But catch this, God also sends his Holy Spirit to specific people in his church with the gift of godly counsel to do the same things the Holy Spirit does to teach us, to remind us of truth, especially when our thinking gets distorted, and to help us see light during dark times in our lives. Christian counselors are those who serve as guides, who can help you navigate the tricky waters of a heart that's wounded, or help you, they're like professional baggage handlers. I said to Pastor Glenn, I was like, you know, he's our pastor of spiritual care and counseling, oversees our entire counseling ministry. And I said, do we have most of kind of the baggage, you know, kind of represented up here? We've got, you know, all sorts of things. We've got, uh, you know, wow, abortion. We've got all sorts of loneliness. And he said, yeah, I think you're about 40 pieces of luggage short. <laughs> he's seen it all. Look at your luggage ticket. What did you write down? See, the flip side of that ticket 
It may have one word on it, but when your heart is wounded, what happens is we buy into lies and make vows to protect ourselves. So if we're betrayed, the flip side says, I will never trust anyone again. If we've been through a cycle of relapse, recovery, relapse, recovery, my life is last up, I'm hopeless, I'm going to carry this thing with me forever. If you have been rejected over and over, if you are lonely, no one loves me, no one will ever love me, I will always be alone. I'm not good enough. And when those lies and those negative tapes are repeated over and over again, they have a way of becoming the truth about us. And then we bring them right into our healthy relationships and wonder why we fail to attach or or be intimate or succeed. What, What happens? I saw this in action this past fall after one of our services. One of our volunteers I know is kind of working away. Incredible lady. She is a godly woman. I love her. She is not a saint, but she is someone who is honest and will always tell you the truth. I love that. And uh, I could tell from the expression on her face like something was wrong. She kind of seemed sad. And I was like, hey, are you, you doing it? And she's like, yeah, I'm all, you know, I'm all right. And, and, you know, we had a lot going on. And, and so I emailed her that week. I was like, hey, what was up? You, you seem sad. And, and the mess, it seemed weird because the message that day had been on God's grace and, and hope. And, and it seemed strange that she was sad. And she emailed me back and said, Tim, you're quite perceptive. I was very sad. I still can't seem to accept that I am worthy of receiving God's love and forgiveness. I went through a lot of trauma growing up that led to the development of the well-ingrained and continually reinforced idea that I am not, nor will ever be, good enough. I clutch at my baggage as if I'm afraid someone will take my insecurities away. I know all of the Bible verses that tell me I'm wrong. She's been a Christian for a while, but I just can't seem to get past it. And I've been bound up in these lies for 20 years. Most of the time, I limp along quite well, and no one even knows I can see, I know God's involved. Go ahead there, this is interesting. But the belief was formed when I was a child. It's like a deformity. And like the man with the crippled hand, I could go to God and he would fix it, but I don't want him to because then I might be happy. She then relates this actually to her boyfriend. She says, this amazing thing with my boyfriend has changed my life. I've never felt such love before. It shines in his eyes when he looks at me, but deep down in the corners of my heart, I have a survival plan for when it ends, which it will unless I die before he does. See, eventually, everyone leaves. That's the lesson I learned. That's my deformity that my whole life is built around. That's the cancerous tumor that pervades my soul, and the surgery to extract it would kill me. It only hurts on occasion, so I live with it. And that's why I was sad on Sunday. God tried to court my soul, and I couldn't accept it again. Sorry to be so long-winded, but I'm not the type to reply and simply say I'm fine. When our hearts are wounded, whether it's early as a child or later as an adult, it comes with a message attached, a lesson that we learn. Eventually, everyone leaves. That's the lesson I learned. And so then what we do is we manage, we compensate. We actually kind of just go through life and, and what's the word, limp along <laughs> and kind of, you know, you know, brave face, and, and, and kind of, you know, here I am. And, and yeah, I know God says he wants all the best. But I could never experience God's best because I got this. And it ain't going away. And that baggage comes to define us and we live out the lies that these wounds have caused. And guess what? It affects everything. Appreciate her honesty, our relationship with others because we have difficulty of sharing intimacy, of, of truly enjoying it because the nagging fear that it may be taken away from me. And notice what else suffers? 
our relationship with God. It is entirely possible to believe in Jesus Christ and spend a lifetime unable to experience and actually enjoy His love at the deepest places of our soul. That's why I was sad on Sunday. God tried to court my soul and I couldn't accept it again. That's what you would call stuck with baggage. And God wants more for you than that. That's a heavy way to to walk through life, isn't it? Believing lies about yourself, about life, about God. When those walls go up or our heart kind of steals itself and kind of inoculated, even to the love of God, that's when a counselor is sometimes necessary. Another name the Bible gives the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. And what a good Christian counselor will help you do is see the lies that you're living out of and help you replace it with the truth of who you are in Christ as a fully forgiven and free son or daughter. That is literally why we have the liquid counseling ministry because we believe so deeply in the importance of this part of the healing process that God has designed and um, it's really interesting because those of you who are stuck or in pain or simply need help or hope beyond yourselves, there is hope. Some of you saw on the way in, brand new year, brand new website. Can we give a hand to the people who did the website? Awesome job, guys, for the new website. Great work. But if you go on our new website, you'll notice the bottom left-hand corner is prominently on the front page because, again, it's central to what we do. It says, counseling, are you needing help or hope? We're here for you. And the cool thing about the new website is that now everything is online. You can register for classes, sign up for different things. But most importantly here, you can take a look through our tremendous counseling resources. We've got all sorts of things. First off, you can look at the counseling directory. We have three dedicated staff members here for you. Most of you know Pastor Glenn. He's our pastor of spiritual care and counseling. But he's also a licensed professional counselor with over 17 years of experience. He is an incredible man one of the most compassionate persons you will ever meet. And he oversees people including Amy Crawford, who is actually a wonderful counselor who's kind of new to us this past year. But Amy specializes in women's issues. She does a phenomenal job. They'll both be here afterwards if you want to chat with them in the lobby. And a lot of you know Cliff Morris. Some of you are already working with Cliff. Cliff, I think, is working on his doctorate right now. But these are three people who have been trained with the gift of counseling. And the cool part of it is that all you need to do is simply go onto the site and you can actually set up an appointment with one of our counselors or actually totally confidential, send an email that Glenn will get and actually dialogue with you and talk about whether counseling is a fit with you or not. There's a brochure in the the lobby on on your way out today if you want to pick it up and, and get more info. And as I said, they'll be out there too. But folks, this is an important step that probably somewhere around 30% of you need to consider making. We feel it's that pervasive. Because restoration sometimes comes like that, but oftentimes it's a process. And it requires trust and humility. I mean, that's hard to admit. I need someone else's help. You can't climb out of the pit yourself, or you're stuck. I'm stuck in regret. Or I relapse this addiction, or I'm, I'm shut off to love. I can't trust again, or I'm tangled up in bitterness, or it's like, I'm trying to love my wife better, but all I seem to do is hurt her. That's why God provides men and women of insight, counselors, to help with the healing and restoration process. That's part of God's ordained process. First, you go to Christ with your baggage, turn the situation over to Him, ask Him to enter into your heart, to heal you, to lead you into truth. But then sometimes you will need to go a step further if you want to check your baggage for good. 
That's what these people have discovered. For a lot of people, for most of us, uh, we've been wounded in small ways and in large ways in life, and a lot of them come from relationships that we've had that we've been hurt by or neglected by or abandoned or abused through. What brought me into counseling were the fact that I had been experiencing a lot of depression and uh, I had uh, had a lot of loss in my life, uh, um, family divorced, father's an alcoholic, mother was abusive. We start to carry these wounds around in our life and they get heavier and heavier and it gets harder and harder to live with them. And so counseling is a way of relieving and lightening that load. I never really dealt with those things and I became aware of those things through going through a small group with some men and just realized how deep those wounds were and uh, knew that I needed more help than just uh, a general friendship help. As a counselor, I know how scary it is to come into the counseling relationship. You don't know what to do or say, or really what to even expect. At first, I just didn't know what to say, how to start, where to begin, and you know, but Pastor Glenn was really good at kind of opening doors for me and helping me, you know, be able to say the things I need to say. Counseling is about a relationship, and that relationship is open to everybody and every sort of issue. As counselors, really, we're here to offer you hope and peace. Many times people come into counseling and they come in for one issue and they discover that their brokenness has impacted other areas of their lives. You know, as we began opening up to Glenn about the pain in our church situation and the pain that related to um, having a, a teenage daughter and her needs and um, our lack or my lack of ability to mother her in a way that I felt was appropriate, um, it started really um, opening up all these other tangential areas that I didn't really um, I would never have identified. Part of the healing and growth is walking with someone through that pain and following that pain to see where it leads to, to discover um, some of the roots and, and issues that are in their lives. There are people out there who need help but are afraid to get it um, and they're realizing that their ways of coping just aren't working anymore. My conviction is that to say I need help, I need counseling, is not a sign of weakness but actually a step of tremendous courage. What's your plan to check your baggage this year? It ensure you don't end up in 2009 stuck in the same place carrying the same old stuff around. Proverbs is the book of wisdom in the Bible. And in chapter 15, it says this. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. In other words, you can have the best intentions to get over something or you make a resolution to live differently. But if your plans don't include counsel, they can fail. You don't have to carry this stuff 
all alone, figure it all out, sort through the wreckage. That is too much for one person to handle. But with many advisors or counselors, there's hope. You were meant to live free, healthy, and whole. And that's the goal of the counseling ministry at Liquid. Not to replace God, but to be an instrument of His healing in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships. And that's the sequence God lays out. First, you bring it to Christ. Second, you consider bringing it to a counselor to unpack and sort through and help the healing process. And lastly, you bring it to community. Galatians 6.2, let's read this together. Paul says, what? Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If you're carrying around some heavy baggage, and I hope by now you you kind of realize that we all are to some degree, (laughs) know this. God doesn't want you to carry it alone. That's why he's given us each other, the church. He's given us Christ, his son. He's given us his counselor, the Holy Spirit, and also his community, this church. And one of the ways we check our baggage is actually by allowing others to help us with it. Those of you who've been to Newark Airport, you know what they say. You can tell who your true friends are by who's willing to pick you up at the airport. <laughs> I was coming back from Los Angeles last year. It was like a six-hour flight. Red, I was totally exhausted, getting all my stuff, whatever, and everything. I didn't know he was going to pick me up. And my buddy shows up there. And the coolest thing is he's there at the gate, and he's got one of those little carts. You ever see those little carts there? They, like, gouge you now. They're, like, 550 or something crazy. You know, it's, like, highly robbery. Anyway, he's got one of these little carts. He got it free in the parking lot. And he got this thing, and I was like, oh, man, I'm glad to see you. He goes, no, no, don't worry about it, man. And he starts taking my luggage, and he starts putting it on this thing. And I was like, thank you. He goes, no, give me that, too. I was like, no, 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 give it, no, get it. And he put it up there in the, the front there, and he wheeled that thing out to his car. And he opened up the trunk. He put all my stuff in, and it was, like, amazing. Man, I was, like, so grateful to him. That is a picture of what the Church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be on a good day where we carry each other's burdens. And in this way, we actually follow Christ, His example. As He carried our burdens on the cross, we're supposed to be there for one another. That's why we have have life groups. I won't even go into detail about this. You already know what life groups are. But if you go to our website, the cool part now is that everything is live, up-to-date, daily updated. And if you go to find a friend, people I can do life with, you will literally see groups of every description over every region here. You can see engaged, married, seasons of life, single, couples with kids, couples over 40, all over the place. People whom you can share life and help carry burdens with. The idea, folks, is that community is supposed to be redemptive. If you are alone, if you are cut off from community, you can't hope to be fully restored. It's hard to check your baggage if you're walking all alone through the airport terminal of life. (laughs) Then small groups of 8 and 10 and 12, there's healing. You have to have people you can talk with, not dump on, but process things with and who can show care and love actually when you need it most. If you are coming right now, it's your first time, you're coming at a great time. Because sign-ups actually start today, and there are all sorts here. You'll see all sorts of new groups and a lot of new classes. If you're not ready to take that next step of counseling, we actually offer classes that are about the heart. One is called Inner Journey. One is called Boundaries. Like, how do I set boundaries with, like, my folks and things like that and navigate that? Go check it out online. But in community is where the healing process continues. There's a curious verse I'd like to end with in James 5.16. Can we all read it together? Therefore... Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Does that seem strange to you at first glance? Some of you may be like, wait a minute, I thought we only confessed our sins to Christ. What's this about confessing to each other? Do you see what James is getting at? 
True, our spiritual restoration with God only can be healed by going directly to Jesus. But he's like, there's something about confessing our sins, our hurts, our pains, our failings with other brothers and sisters in Christ and receiving grace and sharing those burdens and praying for each other. That brings what? What's the word here? Healing. Confess and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's the third group God instructs us to check our baggage with. First with Christ, then perhaps with a counselor, and finally with community. And you need all three aspects if you want to check your baggage for good this year. If you want a brand new you in 2008 at the heart level, you've got to let it go. Neither trust Jesus, his healers, or his church. There's more for you. There is. There's a brand new you. This year could be different. There's hope no matter where you've been or what you've done. What is your next step today? What are you going to do with your ticket? I'm going to take that ticket right now. I want you to fold it over. And I am actually going to invite you forward as we close here with a song. Dave and the team are going to come out, but we're going to symbolically take a next step together. And I'm going to ask every man and woman actually to come forward down the center aisle and you're going to place your ticket right before the foot of the cross. Jess is going to put up a couple of suitcases here and you're going to see hundreds of tickets in there with things written on them, baggage tickets that people have checked today because they said, I don't want to carry it anymore. You're going to see hundreds of them. And I'm going to ask you if you'd be willing to drop yours in there. That is totally up to you. You can keep it. You can carry it with you if you want. Totally your decision. But this is a moment. Let it be a holy moment between you and God, okay? Nobody else. If you want to write a prayer on your ticket, whatever. Jesus is here. He has come to carry your burden and heal your heart if you'll let him. Let us pray together. Jesus, that's what we want. Thank you, Father. Right now, we do come to you Everyone had a different place. But God, we thank you that there's not just life forever and ever and ever, but there's new life right now that you long to give us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, Father. Thank you for your Son who forgives and cancels our sin. Lord, thank you for counselors. Thank you for people you have gifted with godly insight. And thank you, Lord, for community, that you've not set us alone to struggle under the weight of what we're carrying because we have one another. I pray, Father, that this year we want to see your power, Jesus. We want to see marriages rescued, relationships restored, baggage checked. We want to see incredible evidence, Father, of your promise coming true. And so we're, we're taking a step here, God checking this with you. We ask, God, that you would come through for us. We thank you that you already have. We trust you, God, and ask that you do it in your strength. Change each man and woman for good. In the name of Jesus and for his glory, we all said, amen.